Las acciones dicen más que las palabras. Abre el Pro Access Tailgate disponible de la nueva Ford F-150. Sí, una puerta oscilatoria de fácil acceso para convertir su cama en tu nuevo taller. Conecta tus herramientas al Pro Power Onboard disponible. Ya sea que necesites soldar o cortar madera, con la F-150 puedes. Fuerza así de inteligente, solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Pro Access Tailgate disponible en la primavera de 2024. Juntos We Shine, a podcast about inspirational people who lift up and nurture their communities in visionary ways. Hello, I'm Andrea Chediak. Welcome to Juntos We Shine, powered by Target. Regina Merson traded in her career as a lawyer to create a unique beauty line for Latinas. It's called Reina Rebelde, and its products celebrate Hispanic culture in all of its glory. She says her love affair with makeup began as a child watching her mother and grandmother's beauty rituals and the bonds it created between them. Later, it became a way of celebrating the endless possibilities of transforming herself with a stroke of a brush. Hi, Regina. Welcome to Juntos We Shine. Thank you for having me. I am so pleased to have you. I am so honored, and I want to learn all about this incredible adventure that you started in the makeup world. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's definitely been an adventure. <laughs> so let's talk about your beginnings. You were born in Guadalajara. In my house. Your parents were both from Mexico, right? Yeah, actually, my father's from Argentina originally, but he moved to Mexico when he was very young, fell in love with the country and never left. I grew up watching Rosa Salvaje, the telenovela, um, and the pride of being Mexican and being from Guadalajara in particular was always very intense in my house. And, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's something that they also continued on once they emigrated here to the U.S. When did you when did you move from Mexico? I was almost 10 years old. Uh, my parents actually split up when I was around six, and my mom married an American man who was also in love with Mexico and was spending a lot of time there. And they, they got married, and we went back and forth for several years and then ultimately moved, moved to Texas. Texas so, it was. Texas it was. Why Texas? At the time, that was just where work was, and it was, it was easy to, it was a central location. We could go back and forth to Mexico, which was very important to my mom, was this, this, she had this fantasy that we would go back to Mexico all the time. And if we lived in Texas, that, that would be easier as well. When you were little, Regina, what was your biggest dream? What did you want to become? You know, the, the dream was complicated at times because I moved to, the United States and I didn't speak English. And so I had this huge chip on my shoulder and insecurity about um, what I was gonna be able to accomplish. I can relate because I was, I think I was like seven when I moved. And you start a new school, you don't have friends, you don't speak the language, language. you're put into these programs that help you, you know, learn it, but it's hard. It's hard. And for us, my mother was really told, look, if your kids are ever going to survive here, you cannot keep this ambicultural household going. You have to stop speaking Spanish to them. And she really bucked that trend. I mean, she, she decided early on there was no way. My kids were going to be Mexican, and they just happened to live in the United States. And whatever American qualities they took on, fantastic. 
So we were trying to assimilate and speak English and assimilate to cultural things like the fact that you ate lunch at school. In Mexico, you go home to eat lunch with your family, right. you know, after school and what, what we were allowed to eat. I'd never, I'd never seen peanut butter in my life. I get to school and everyone's eating <laughs> peanut, peanut butter, butter and, and I go home sandwich. and I'm like, mom, you have to buy me this peanut butter stuff. Um, so I would, I would get teased for the lunches I would bring, right, initially. And, and, and we would speak Spanish at home. And it was frustrating and it was confusing. And now I'm so grateful for it, of course. Because you speak both perfectly. So now you start focusing on reading, studying. Yes, and I was determined to master the English language. And, and then as I got older, I, really, I, I realized I was actually really good at school. I loved to study. I was a, an eternal student and uh, fell in love with the idea of doing something very academic and decided when I was about 14, 15 that I wanted to be a lawyer. Why law? I think there was something very logical about it. There was, um, a, you know, I think when you're an immigrant, there's so much instability and insecurity that that experience can breed. And there was something really reassuring about the rule of law, right? And the sense of, of wanting and grasping for something predictable. And it was also so academic and it felt like something that would forever be a challenge for me. So once you make the decision, what schools did you approach? When I was 15, I said, I'm going to go to an Ivy League college, and people laughed. Okay, sure, of course you, you will. And I, I ended up getting into Yale University, and I went there for college. And when I was there, I thought, when I go to law school, I'm going to go to the very best law school I can get into, and ended up getting a scholarship, a partial scholarship, to University of Chicago, which is a very small, selective Law school. They only accept 120 people a year. And wow. I was one of the three Latinos in the entire class. And female Latinas? And female Latinas, I was one of two. Wow. And I, I graduated from law school right before the, the 2008 recession hit. I went to be a real estate attorney, and then my our client at the time was Lehman Brothers. When Lehman Brothers went into bankruptcy, the, the firm I worked at at the time said, well, you're now going to be a bankruptcy lawyer. And you were like, OMG. OMG, this <laughs> is not at all what I signed up for. I don't want to help companies fire people. But it was an all-hands-on-deck situation and very intense time to be a lawyer, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I did it for, for over six years. And it was a learning experience, for sure. Um, it was not right for my personality type. And it wasn't obviously my choice, but, it, but at that point, you kind of put your head down and you do what you have to do. And that's what I did. And did you figure that out right away or it took you those six years to really mm. say, this isn't for me? No, about a year in, <laughs> I knew that just law wasn't for me. I'd been dreaming about being a lawyer. I'd played all my cards so that I could get this amazing job where all the cases we worked on were on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. It was a big thing for me. And, and for my family, obviously, they were incredibly proud of me. It was devastating to realize so, so soon into the whole career that it wasn't for me. It didn't suit my personality. It was too isolating. I completely lost touch with the community. I had no time for anything that was joyous. I had lost touch with a lot of women that were important to me because all I did was, was work and, and I was behind a, a computer screen all day long. So when was that? aha moment when you said to yourself, Regina Merson, I cannot continue to pursue a career in law. You know, and there was no single aha moment. It was, an, it was a very gradual realization that I was really unhappy. And there had been something about 
my processing of what is possible as a woman where I did not give myself the permission to change my mind for a long time, right? I had dedicated myself to this path and once I was raised, at least you finish what you start. And That's then, very Latin. <laughs> very Latin, very Latin. And yeah. the question then became, but, but to what point, right? At some point, you have to take ownership over your own life. And I think as Latinas and Latinos, we, we live our parents' dreams out a lot. And that can be hard. It can be really challenging. And, and it was devastating for me to realize I was going to disappoint a lot of people who had supported me along the way when um, I finally admitted out loud that this was not the path for me. Um, because a lot of investment went to getting me to that place, right? A lot of schooling and a lot of sacrifice on my family's part. But I think where I landed was women have a right to change their mind too, right? Yeah, it's okay. And we see men do it all the time. And acknowledging that was the big aha moment. It wasn't so much like, oh, it's going to be makeup. I didn't know that at the time, but it was, wow, we have a right to change our minds. And if we're going to really be responsible for our own journey, then you, you have to be able to own that. And be okay with that. And be okay with it. And so the first step for me was really, A, a mourning process, and then B, acknowledging publicly to family and friends that I was unhappy. Right. What did your mom say? Hi, Nihita. No, no, like, you know, you finish what you start, give it a few years, you know. Well, what's a few years, right? At this point, you realize at some point after 30, I'd already turned 30, that the time is your most precious and valuable asset. So while I had that burning sensation inside of, I can't live like this for very much longer, I can't have this career forever, I wanted to make sure I acted on it. So... How did you figure it out? How did you recognize that your passion was in makeup? So one of my best friends saw me one day at a dinner and said, you know, you don't look well. I'm calling to make an appointment with a therapist tomorrow. And I thought, that's the craziest thing. Latinas don't air out their dirty laundry to therapists. We don't do that, you know. And we she, don't admit we're going we to therapy. We don't admit it, and we definitely don't, don't ever say anything about it. But she forced me to go, and it changed my life because this therapist, the very first session was just about how unhappy I was in my career and how I felt I was on the wrong path. And she said, what if you just took some time to just observe what it is you're naturally drawn to? And that was a big theme. When you go to play... Regina, when you're not at the office and you're playing, what do you play with? And I thought, that's ludicrous. Like, what do I play with? I mean, I don't know. You know, I started listing some things I did. Needlepoint. I love to bake. You know, and I was judging myself. And she said, don't judge yourself. I don't want you to judge yourself. Just play. So I did. And I very privately went and spent about four or five months noticing what I was drawn to when I had free time. And the thing, there were a couple of things that kept reoccurring, but the one thing that I kept coming back to was makeup. Uh, my favorite part of every day was waking up and doing my makeup. When my mother was single, I would sit at her feet and watch her do her makeup to go to the disco. Like, it, you know, it, it was so profound for me, the ritual of being a woman and what it means to have the power to transform who you are and how you feel with something as, as seemingly insignificant as a lipstick but how, how it was mood altering. It was that moment of creativity early on in the day that really would transform the way I felt about myself. So I was drawn to that. I was drawn to watching YouTube videos on how to perfect an eyeliner or a contour technique. 
Um, and I was buying a lot of makeup. And I started just observing, like I was told to do, and notice that I was a makeup hoarder. You know, I started opening my <laughs> well, drawers. Well, are we all? <laughs> are we all, right? So that was the first step. But you had no type of training. You did not, at that point, go to any type of beauty schools. So like a good lawyer, and this is where I do think it was helpful, you can research your way in and out of a lot of things and you're used to being told no and you try a different door, right? And that practice was built into my brain. You never take no for an answer. People all throughout my life had said no to me and I say, okay, well, this isn't the door, then I'm gonna go the back door. I'm gonna go in through the window or whatever it was. And I started researching shows. So I was flying to different shows and meeting with manufacturers. And I would say, you know, I'm starting a makeup line. And everyone would kind of laugh at me and snicker, that's cute, you know? And I just kept persisting and persisting until finally somebody took my idea seriously. Like all industries, right? People are closed off and they want you to have a certain amount of experience. And people would say, well, who are you to start a makeup line? Right. And my answer was always, who am I not to? Like, I've done a lot crazier things than start a makeup line. So I threw myself in and, and studied it like, like a student with a very much of a beginner's mind about it. I knew what I was passionate about. I had a clear vision on what I wanted to create. It was just a question of putting the logistical pieces in place. And your vision was something that all Latinas could really appreciate because you decided to launch one of the first makeup lines dedicated to Latinas. Yes. Why was that so important for you? Um, as I was observing my own behavior, I started realizing, you know what? Um, we buy, so, I buy so much makeup, right? We all must buy so much makeup. And I started talking to all the Latina cousins and friends and people I have in my life and realized that they were makeup hoarders too. So I started doing research and realizing, wait a minute, we buy more makeup than everybody else in this country. And it was a total white space at the time. And people said, oh, it's such a small portion of the population. Well, we all know that that's not going to be the case for very long. And two, it doesn't matter how big or small. It matters how much we're spending a year. And it was very important to make a business case for it, which I had made, and that was clear. But emotionally, I was frustrated that I was never represented on a shelf or in an advertisement. And when I was, I felt brains were talking down to me. It's not just about putting on a lipstick and turning an English tagline into Spanish and delivering it at your door and, and saying, buy it. It does, it's not that easy. We're much more complicated than that. And I really sought to bring out the nuances of this ambicultural Latina in a way that she felt reflected and respected. And I also wanted the brand to be high-end. I did not want something that felt cheesy or cheap because I was frustrated with how I felt talked down to in every respect whenever anybody tried to sell me makeup. So I think it really came down to authenticity. I always say being Latina is like the privilege of a lifetime because it's so multifaceted and it's messy and there are a lot of things about it that are confusing and full of gender bias. And at the same time, we're, the, you know, we're these fierce women and we're, ve we're very much revered as such in our communities. And I really wanted to bring that to life because I think it is so incredible and so powerful. And at the same time, as a feminist, frankly, I really loved what I was seeing in the Latina community. Women uh, enrolling in college, they're raising families, they have careers, they're getting PhDs, they're doing incredible things. And they work like crazy. And I wanted to really elevate and inspire 
that whole story of this of these multiple generations. At the beginning, did you feel some kind of resistance because you were a lawyer? I felt a lot of resistance. This was the first time in my life where doors were being shut in my face where people did not want to work with me because I was a lawyer. Manufacturers, I mean, you, you name it, they'd say, oh, you know, we're handshake type of industry and she's gonna sue us and she's gonna be so detail-oriented. <laughs> yeah, everyone was scared. So I had to actually tone down that lawyer side of myself, which as hard as it is to train your brain to think like a lawyer, it's probably harder to train your way out of it and take some leaps of faith. And when things didn't go right or they didn't come out right, you know, I would go shake my fist, like, but legally, and everyone say, nobody cares about your contract, right? This is the way it goes. Mistakes happen. You have to live with it. And, and that was so frustrating. Um, but it's been good for me, right? I've learned, I've learned to tap into other resources within myself. But no, it was not easy. Things did not go perfectly, and it didn't happen overnight which is important to share with everyone who's hearing us because it took you a couple years. <laughs> many, many years, yeah. I, I had worked on the concept for two years. I had my trademark set to go before I left my legal career. Not to mention the year of soul searching prior to that. And then uh, for three years after I left my legal career was three years to create the brand, to develop the formulas, to find the manufacturing, to go through all the, the ins and outs of, of everything from regulatory compliance to packaging design. And we finally launched in the fall of 2016. And it's been three years since. I mean, people sometimes come up to me and they say, man, you know, that was a very quick kind of success story. Right. We've had some great things happen along the way, but it's taken a long time. What would you say as a startup and as a new company is your biggest obstacle? My biggest obstacle is still convincing people in positions of power why this Latina consumer matters. Everyone has the data. Everyone gets it. They all get the reports. What they don't understand is how, I think, sophisticated we are, how savvy we are. And the younger generations are getting very involved in what brands they support and how they want to be represented and how they want to be reflected in retail. So let's talk about the name, Regina. Okay. Reina Rebelde. Okay. Why Reina Rebelde? So I love that the Latino Latina culture, no matter what country you're from or what your, what your cultural background is, we all call each other reinas. We elevate each other literally to a status like of royalty, right? And my mom used to call me reinita and I call my friends reina. And every time I hear it and I've heard it in my life, it always amazed me. I've never had or seen any other culture where women elevate themselves the way that Latinas elevate each other and celebrate each other. It also obviously speaks to the way that we never leave the house without lipstick, right? Oh, no, We're we don't. always, like, photo-ready. <laughs> My that, grandma's one of those. Yes. Doesn't leave without that bold red lipstick you have on. Exactly. <laughs> so that was the reina component. And then the rebelde was obviously the fierceness that we also have, the do not quit attitude, um, the si se puede mantra that is very much part of our life and our culture now. ¿Quién es Reina Rebelde? Reina Rebelde soy yo, eres tú, es la mujer latina que tiene una vida complicada, tiene una vida súper rica con muchas posibilidades de todo lo que puede 
hacer y todo lo que son sus aspiraciones como mujer y también como latina, porque somos mujeres que vivimos en un mundo donde tenemos que luchar mucho. Y es importante que esta mujer siempre tenga en su mente y en su corazón que puede ser bella y puede ser poderosa y nadie le puede decir tú tienes que ser esto o el otro. Ella decide. Para ella misma yo soy las dos. Yo soy reina y rebelde. We speak English, we speak Spanish, we go home and we have, you know, one type of food with our abuelita and then you go out and you have all types of other kinds of food and different types of friends and it's a very rich mixture of dualities. When was that moment when you launched the brand that you got that first break? You know, I launched the brand and, and makeup's a very funny thing because it's not like you get to test a thousand units of a color out in the market. You get three lab samples and you make decisions based on three lab samples. Limited sampling. Limited sampling. <laughs> so we launched the brand and it, it really felt like a beta test. This could have been an epic waste of time and three years of working really hard at something and two years of thinking about it and nothing was going to materialize. And within a month of launching, we got our first big story and it was refinery and and then Yahoo uh, news picked it up and it was you know the I'll never forget the the headline was like finally a makeup line for Latinas and I thought okay they like, get me <laughs> they get me and it resonates somewhere right um, and that was a huge break for me feeling that the message had been received so clearly and that people were responding to it in that way. And then, you know, as we got customers and followers and people were very excited and they were very proud. Then about seven months into the first year, I got a call from Target. Actually, it was an email from somebody to our like general, you know, email saying, hi, this is so-and-so from Target. Would you ever be interested in selling at Target? And it was a full circle moment for me. Growing up in Mexico, we would come to the United States once a year to go on a shopping trip to Target, to buy everything for the year, and you take it back. And um, it was, it, I mean, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. It was surreal. So I go to ship this person's samples, and as I'm waiting in line at the FedEx store to ship these, these samples that this woman wanted to see, I open my email, and I have another email from a totally different person at Target saying, hi, we've been watching your line. Would you ever be interested in selling at Target? Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like coming you at different me. different eyes. <laughs> yeah, the signs were all there. So it was a huge break. We had talked to other retailers. No one felt right. Um, at this point, you know, you internalize a startup like it's your baby and you're very cautious about who gets to babysit your baby. So um, it, was, it was really important. Target understood and really valued the Latina experience and wanted to do something that felt really authentic for their customers. And that was incredible because it was only months after you launched. I wasn't so even... it takes brands years, years to get exposed to these yeah. massive major retailers. So Right. It was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. Why do you feel Reina Rebelde has been so accepted by so many customers? Because a makeup brand you can find in any aisle. Yeah. So beauty for Latinas is a different um, thing. It's something to luxuriate in. You can be intelligent and successful and all of these things, but you're always going to look put together. When I was a lawyer, we always used to laugh that as women got more successful, they wore less and less makeup. Hmm, I never have heard that. <laughs> yeah, and the attitude was you can't be smart 
and be in a courtroom and wear a lot of makeup because it shows a level of vanity that almost, you know, undermines your intelligence. And as a Latina, we had the complete opposite. I mean, my, I remember getting home from college one day and I was in the baggage claim and my mom, you know, and I'd gone to college on the East Coast and my mom showed up with bronzer and started putting bronzer on me in the baggage claim because she said I look so pale. pale Está blanquita, hija. Está blanquita, you know? And, and to me, that was, that was such an interesting inflection point almost of, wait a minute, why, why do women have to choose? And why do women feel that the higher they get on, in the ladder in their careers, they don't have to be as pretty or it's bad to be pretty? That just seemed crazy to me. Whereas the Latina culture owns that. They own their femininity. It's another tool in your toolbox. And you can use it and be the most brilliant woman on earth, but you're still going to be fierce and you're still going to be beautiful. And so I think that messaging of never having to make a choice, like you can be both. You can be a reina and a rebelde. You can be absolutely stunning and never leave the house without your lipstick on and walk in and be the CEO of a corporation or own a restaurant or whatever you want to do with your life. And it's a powerful message. And I think what makes it even more powerful is that me hearing you say it, you're really passionate about it. You're really trying to communicate this message to all your customers. Yes. And look, we've had so many people that are not Latinas love it because of the message. And to me, that's important too, because sometimes the brand has been an introduction to another world that maybe people didn't understand. And if lipstick is the introduction to it, um, to make you curious about this experience that so many people in this country have, then I think that's tremendous, and I'm very proud of that. We're incredibly hard workers, and I think there is something about that that really it's time that it gets respected on a lot of levels and in all industries. And for me, the industry I chose was beauty, you know? Regina, your products have really interesting names. Tell me a little bit about how that started. Um, they were really inspired by my experience as a Latina woman, primarily, and also my culture um, in Mexico. So we have like an eyeshadow palette called Oaxaca, which is obviously about the beautiful colors of, of a land that's very enchanting. We have a, a red lipstick, the one I'm wearing today, called Brava, which is about the fierce Latina energy um, that comes with being a proud Latina woman. We have a black eyeliner called Zapatista in honor of the fighters who are actually led by a, a female rebel at one point, um, and it's, it's jet black. And then what we did this year was we did our very first collaboration with an amazing Puerto Rican influencer by the name of Keilani Martinez, um, Viva Glam K, and she got to name two products that she developed with us. One is a, an amazing blue eyeliner called Bonita Bandera and a lipstick called Alma Desnuda. That's so fascinating um, how you can tap into a whole culture with a word or two. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, Regina. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Kilani. She was the first influencer and the first makeup content creator who believed in your brand. Yes. In our next episode of Juntos We Shine, powered by Target, meet Valeria Hinojosa. She gave up a lucrative career in banking to become an advocate for the planet and in the process, reconnected with herself. Nosotros como humanos tenemos una responsabilidad muy grande y podemos crear un impacto positivo y podemos alzar voces y unirnos y, y gritar más fuerte por lo que importa, que es la naturaleza. O sea, nosotros sin ella no podemos sobrevivir. 
As always, Juntos We Shine is brought to you by Target. The people I've met while making this podcast have really moved me, and their stories are more important than ever as we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. In addition to this series, Target is shining a spotlight on more remarkable Hispanics in our community at target.com forward slash Hispanic Heritage Month. Welcome back to Juntos We Shine and welcome Keilani. I am so incredibly proud about what you've done um, and what you guys together have achieved. I know that for you it was really important to get involved with Reina Rebelde because you believe in her mission. Yes, um, you know, obviously with the amount of followers that I have, um, I've had a couple brands reach out to me, but the first time I ever collaborated with the brand, I always knew that I wanted it to be with a brand that I could relate to, not just on a makeup sense, but more on a personal level. And when I first came across uh, Reina Rebelde, it's one of those things that you know that this could turn into something really big in the future. You just get those intuitions. And um, when I met Regina, it was just like an automatic connection. What do you and Regina have in common, aside from the fact that you guys want to be platforms to promote the Latina power and the entrepreneurship? But what do you guys have in common on a personal level? Um, I just honestly feel that her and I are both strong Latinas, like we know what we want, whether that is through the the business of makeup or on a more personal level. We actually did a video together, kind of mixing our cultures together. She was introducing me more to the Mexican culture and I was introducing her into the Puerto Rican culture. And it was like really fun knowing that I said that I'm an unofficial Mexican now, and she says the same <laughs> thing about being Puerto Rican. Um, I, she had me try um, Takis, and that was my first time ever trying that. And then I made her try Malta, and it was just, like, hilarious to see that we have so much in common, but at the same time, like, our cultures are so different. You guys created a sisterhood. Yes. Regina, for you, how did it feel? Because you were telling me that when you started, you started knocking on doors, um, through this social media boom and, you know, to contact influencers. And at the beginning, you got a lot of no's, but she was one of the first that said yes. Yes, she said she said yes, and she's, she's so authentic and she's so humble, and that really came through. And I think her connection and her following really speaks to how women relate to her. She's relatable. She's, she's, she's real. She's real. And when we did the collaboration, I mean, we were in tears the first week because of the messages we were all getting bombarded with about Puerto Ricans and what they have been going through, not only on the island, but just everyone who's Puerto Rican and how they feel and how important it was um, that we give back to the community, but also that we put a spotlight on Kehlani and her Puerto Rican heritage, not just the beauty component, but who she is and how she's She's a, a woman on the rise from that community. And she we're proud to call her Latina, but the Puerto Rican community adores her. They adored her even more after the rollout of their new product line. It was a breath of fresh air for an island that was reeling from Hurricane Maria, a monster storm that left the island devastated. Kaylani, did you think that this was going to have such an impact, having this collaboration, like, right after the, the hurricane? Honestly, not as impactful as it came out to be. I mean, I knew some people would be excited for it only because people have been waiting years for me to collaborate with a brand. 
But I think that because I mixed my culture into it, it didn't feel like just another makeup collaboration. And that's what really spoke to people. I was a little nervous because I didn't know how people would take it. I didn't want people to think that I was trying to use my name and benefit off of what happened on the island to get people's attention. Um, But people completely related to what we were doing and the fact that we had uh, proceeds going to the relief funds. Yeah, everybody was very moved about what was going on. So Mm -hmm. to have a brand Mm -hmm. that's actually giving back 100% you know, of their proceeds and, and and helping the community in Puerto Rico. That says a lot about you too. I didn't want people to feel like I was just doing it for money because if that were the case, I wouldn't have proceeds going to the relief fund. Um, but to me, if I were going to use my culture into this collaboration, then I needed to do something that I felt was really going to help out my people. Well, you definitely proved and showed your strength by collaborating with Regina, by supporting her and by being there and by joining forces for a good cause. Thank you so much for taking the time and for being here and for for saying those great, amazing words because I know Regina is, she's here very emotional and she, she thanks you from the bottom of her heart for all that support that you have given her. I really do. I'm very lucky. Uh, I do it over and over again. (laughs) Thank you so much, Keilani. Thank you. Thank you, Keilani. Regina, is there something that most people don't know about you? People sometimes don't know. I I had a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, right, that I trained really hard for. And I remember that experience, people thinking that I just kind of woke up one day and did it. And I think people don't know how hard, how much hard work is involved in anything that you do to do it correctly. You're someone that we want to keep on our good side because a lawyer. And right. Well, no. <laughs> right. That. And a taekwondo. No, hello. Yes. But it, it's, yeah, I think it's just, it's important to, to, besides the, and we're in a very beautiful, glitzy sort of uh, industry. Yeah. And but it's it's hard work and it's greedy and you got to be able to get your hands dirty and I do all the time and I think people are always surprised by that. What type of advice would you give to our listeners right now who would love to launch a brand, would love to change careers but are very, you know, fearful? Fear is interesting. Um we live with a lot of fear in today's world. We as Latinos are raised in very protective environments. And all I can say is you have to have fire in your gut for whatever you decide to do. If you're going to make a leap, you have to be really passionate and you have to do that soul searching. That was the most valuable thing in this entire process because you can read and listen to all the podcasts and read all the books about how hard carving your own path way in the world can be and making your own decisions and being accountable for those decisions because it is hard. But what's really, I think, important is that when you wake up, you could be having the worst day or the best day. If you don't have fire in your belly for what it is that you're doing, you won't, no one will make it. I believe in what I'm doing and I'm passionate about it. And if it ends in failure, it ends in failure. But I will have tried and I will know that I will have done it with like all the passion that I have inside me. Thank you, Regina, for being here, for sharing your story. I know that a lot of people are feeling empowered to hear your journey, that it wasn't easy, but you made it through. And you're that example of girl powers. Where can people find out more about your next step? Yes. So we um, are proudly at Target stores. 
um, right now, and you can find us there. And you can also find our products at reinarebelde.com. And we recently launched in Mexico, and we just hope to grow as the community allows us to grow and, and see what expansion, you know, the brand has in store. But we're really, you know, targeting and, and working with different women in the community to bring their stories to life through makeup and, and their journeys in particular. So stay tuned for more. We will absolutely stay tuned, Regina. We are so in awe of your vision and your tenacity and wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you for listening to Juntos We Shine, powered by Target. Don't forget to subscribe. Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawaii es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español.